Well, welcome, you guys. Thank you guys for joining us today. It's me, Tony the Kid. What's happening, everybody? Want to say what's up to you guys, fans? Say what's up, Director RJ. Hello, everybody. How's it going? It's me, Director RJ. As well on the mic, Zach the Mac. Say what's up, Zach the Mac. Yeah, you guys know the vibe. We're here talking about some intelligent stuff tonight. We're going to get into it. We're going to get in tune. Uh, make sure you guys stay updated, all right? Check it out. Happy you guys listening. <laughs> yes, guys. It's going to be a episode of Just Us Rejects. Let's talk about it. Peanut butter. So let's talk about it, you guys. Got some good stuff, topics to be talked about today. Of course, Disney is at war with Black Widow. Let's talk about it, Director RJ. Is this good or bad, man? Good or bad? I got plenty good of questions. Black Go Widow, if she wins, bad if she loses. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, mean, I got a question for the fans. Uh, I got a question for the fans, guys. Oh, go ahead. Because because I only I only I only heard about this recently. Um, what exactly, Tony the Kid or John, or our director? If you guys can explain it though, what is the altercation between the two of them? Because I know the movie got released. I know she's supposed to be getting paid. Right. Um, but what's up with the lawsuit? She's just suing them, right? She first sued them because, if I'm not mistaken, Director RJ, it's because, according to Disney, that they promised her that. The release of Black Widow would only be through movie theater release, right? And because of COVID hit, it was they had to kind of revamp things a little bit, change the schedule, whatnot, a couple of times. But regardless, at the end of the day, they've always promised that they were going to strictly release it through movie release and theaters. Instead of doing it uh, simultaneously with Disney Plus release, like they have with previously with the other movies, right? So because it had first originally released in movie theaters, and if I'm not mistaken, like a week later or the two weeks later, they ended up switching it also as well on Disney Plus. By that time frame. They basically breached contract, according to you know uh, Scarlett Johansson, in that perspective, and not giving her the proper respect nor the proper uh, you would say backup in the sense of believing that this solo film of her own finally would be successful in the theaters like the rest of the other films. Damn. Yeah. So by that, that's okay. why she sued. So now Disney. Is counter suing her for basically being a pain in their butt and being uh basically a snotty wanna keep my money type of girl. That's what they're trying to say to her. They're trying to say about her that she wasn't uh understanding pertaining to the COVID issues, where why they had to change dates during the releases, but also not understanding why they had to do a streaming service release as well. Um and then also a little bit of, uh, I think, some other issues, I think, on hand pertaining to her contract or whatnot that she did, according to them accusing her of, that she didn't do. Right? So ba- they're basically shedding her in a, in a bad light. Now, I, I would have to say that that's a big problem going forward because now you're going to have all these future stars... Wanting to jump over to Disney, who thus far has had a great slate of paying their actors, 
making people money, showing love to their actors because of what they are doing for their for the franchise and stuff like that. Now you're having these issues that are going to affect these future stars coming over to your end and want wanting to do business and be that type of star. So I feel like that's an issue going forward, but that's also an issue on basically trying to dog a lady who did nothing but invest her time and money into your company, made you billions, and now all of a sudden you want to be treated or be treat this person in a negative way. Am I right, Director RJ? Yeah, actually, I think that's exactly what happened. Right? So, I feel like... Go ahead. Um, okay. So what I was going to refer to right now is that with this happening, do you think... Uh, you know, if with the lawsuit going down, is Scarlett Johansson now going to leave Disney and head on to Warner Bros? It's a possibility, but I also think that it really just sheds light uh, going forward for her doing more deals with the, with Disney itself. I think this also just opens the door for her of finally closing that door of Black Widow and being a superhero um for for everyone that you know we've loved for so long which i truly appreciate her her work ethic pertaining to black widow i appreciate her i think we all appreciate her her um her sacrifice for the franchise and we're all finally happy that she's got her solo film but in general it's just it's time to turn that page and say i'm done with this i'm moving on to away from disney i'm gonna do other projects elsewhere and i'm gonna be successful because i'm a successful woman type of thing you know what i mean that's actually good for her i think that's where that opens the door for her whether it be to warner brothers as us being superhero fans i think that's something we would like to see but also it just gives it better limelight to say i want to go somewhere else and do other projects pertaining to movies like uh you know like a james bond be a james bond girl or uh go out and do some amazon stuff go out and do some uh tv plus for apple do some projects for there do some projects for uh netflix and all that type of stuff like that so it just gives her that she, gives her that okay she can do whatever she wants man throws her hands in her prime i mean just because she has a uh, you know disagreement with her last movie with Disney, I think that honestly she's fine. I mean, she's not in a horrible position, right. but she's in a good enough end state in her mind to where she can definitely do what she wants. I mean, exactly. She got her rich. Yeah, she she got plenty of at this point, man. She's we're talking we're, we're talking Scarlett Johansson. Exactly. <laughs> right. I totally agree. It's Scarlett Johansson. Like, come on now, like phenomenal actress. She's she was already phenomenal yeah. before going into this role. But now that she's been, now that she's stuck up with this Black Widow role ever since the Avengers, it's it it's paid her dividends and it's also done well for the character herself of being successful, of earning her money when it comes to the franchise. So that's the good part. Yeah. So yeah, good chit chat, guys. Now move on. Olympic drama happening with Biles and Richardson, of course, having some mental issues, but having some otherwise health issues. Okay. Um, let's talk about it. Zach DeMack, I know you're, you're involved in this just as much as I am, where, you know, Biles recently stepped down from competition due to stress, uh, anxiety, you can kind of say, you know, the high volume of, of pressure 
that comes with being an Olympian and at that performing at the Olympics um, and decides, you know, she decides to step down and, you know, for her health and for herself in order to have a better future. Now, a lot of people other than ourselves having major issues with this problem, basically calling her un-American, calling her weak and calling her quitter. Now, I think you would agree with me saying that's that's bullcrap and that's bogus. You know what I mean? Zach DeMag, you have the floor. I personally think, man, she, you know, she's a human being like all of us, you know? She's human on this planet, you know? They're Olympic medalists, and of course they have, you know, a little bit more situation bigger at hand because, you know, they have a bigger stage, they have a bigger platform, they have a bigger stage, so, right. than a lot of other people. So, Said, I mean, if you see one of the world's greatest and youngest tennis players coming out saying that she's the best tennis player alone, because the tennis player alone. Right. Uh, she stepped out from her home season. Put that aside. She stepped out from her home tennis season. And basically, she didn't give it up, but she just said that she can't perform at her best. You know she can't. Right. So for her to come, that's all about that. It's about that jump is to be lifting. Yep. With the situation. Mr. Richardson? definitely would agree with you on that i think uh it's it's really disgusting to hear a lot of people having issues with her um her issue that she's having especially with miss richardson um i think we just we kind of talked about that a lot when that incident happened a while ago and like we all we all feel bad for her you know yes she messed up she did a mistake of course 
Um, she's paid, she paid the consequence, but all in all, it's justifiable to what she did. You know, she was in the mental state of distress. Her mother passed away. And the fact that she, you know, reacted accordingly when someone goes through a traumatic type of situation and reacts this type of way, it's, it's not good, but it's understandable, you know? And it's, it's hard that a lot of people are so one way focused that they can't sit back and just understand the big picture of what had happened. That's on Miss Richardson's side. When it comes to Miss Biles, this woman literally tried, went out there and gave it her best. She, uh, you can clearly see, uh, like I watched the Olympics, I watched her performances. Uh, right before she ended up stating the day before she ended up stating that she quitted, you can clearly see that there were a few of her performances where she mentally didn't execute properly like she was supposed to. Now, that being said, could have been an injury at that point pertaining to her legs. Could that have been something else pertaining to that? We don't know. Um, I was actually thinking more or less at that point that she was overdoing it. Like she was so amped up that she kind of she overthought and didn't calculate the landing properly because she was just so hyped up and like, oh, my God, I'm back in the Olympics. This is so great. This is awesome. I'm going to perform. I'm busting out these tricks. I, it, the trick was awesome. And now, you know, the execution part, like, dang it, I messed up because I was just too hyper. You know, that's what it felt like to me at first. But why she had to step back and reevaluate herself was because of this issue going forward. She looked within herself. She accepted the main problem within herself and said, I can't do anything else. I don't want to do more to hurt the team and say, I'm going to step back and let someone else, which in turn, that lady, Miss Lee, stepped in her place and won a gold medal. So for that, you know what I mean? For Miss Biles accepting this issue and stepping back, this young lady would have never won this medal. She, this young lady would have never called herself an Olympian pertaining to a gold medalist at that. So, you know, all in all, the outcome of it came out to be a great outcome for someone else. And it could be even greater for Ms. Biles, just like what you were saying, Zach. Like, this could be greater for Ms. Biles. It's an athlete. Yeah. It's a performer who understands her body, understands her mind, and says, I'm really not there I can't, you know, I, that it is what it is, and I don't want to hurt the team. I don't want to hurt my country even more, so I'm stepping back. I give her praise and honor for doing such thing because, like we all know, being an Olympian, the, the expectation is to the greatest, and especially at being an Olympian because you're representing your country. You're resent, representing a lot of people who either don't like your color, who don't like your values, who don't like who you are personally, and yet you're performing and representing them for them, and yet when you lose, this is what could happen. So right now, that's where she's getting. She's getting the evil side of what our country is and attacking her in this way. But regardless, she's getting the great support for those who believe in her still. And I believe in her. I still do. I praise for that. You do. 
I know director RJ who hasn't said anything thus far believes in her because it's like it's the same thing with all of us. If we had an issue within ourselves to perform on this podcast, one of us is going to say something to each other. We're going to support each other and say, hey, don't worry about it. Take a step back. Breather. Thank you. Exactly. They can't do it. They can't do it. Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Director RJ wants them to chime in a little bit on this. I think both of you said everything that needs to be said. Y'all just took everything. <laughs> I was over here hoping to jump in at some time. Not playing. Uh, <laughs> honestly, um, you guys, you know, both of you are right. Um, it. Really, you know, if you're going to go to the Olympics, um, in any state of mind, if you really don't feel like you could do it, then it's best to sit down and let someone else go and shine, you know, let them uh, take your spot. And, you know, for them to do that, that means that it's a brave way to do it because, one, you're giving up a chance to be a gold medalist. So, yeah, if you're, uh, you know... So they, they gave up a lot more than what anyone could imagine by not uh, by not being in the Olympics. And now, not only did they step away, but they are walking into verbal assaults, as it is. So, you know, you never know if the girl, both of these girls thought of what to come if they do this. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I respect what they did, you know. It's, uh, right. it's very brave of them to, like step down knowing that you know this is this would have been a gold medal your your picture would have been everywhere they would have known who you were and you're stepping down because you know you're not mentally there which means that you know what could have come if they would have gone and gone with it they're mentally not there because they have won it right or could they have lost you know exactly and so, go ahead go ahead no uh honestly if you're not mentally there, you never know what's going to happen. You don't know what type of, uh, if you win, what are you going to do when you win it? Like, you can't concentrate on stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I give them respect for that, for backing away and saying, you know, uh, right now is not my time. Probably next time I'll come back and do it. Let someone else take my spot. Exactly. Exactly. Totally agree with you. Couldn't agree less. All right, guys, move. Let's question. Let's hang on this list here. Is Y2J's, we're going to discuss uh, Y2J if you guys don't know, Chris Jericho from AEW, wrestling background, all around the world, you guys. Uh, right now, currently, his storyline for AEW is called Y2J's Five Labors of Jericho. What this could mean, it, it possibly meaning, is this indicating to us that is this his last run in wrestling and this is basically his his way of stating he's indicating he's going to be retired he's retiring very soon so let's talk about it you guys what does this mean Zach the Mac uh, uh, quick question on it yep. so this is a the retired or this is a series or well 
to give you perspective, we don't know if it is his retirement. The question is, is this it? So basically what Chris Jericho is doing is all these labors of Jericho, if I'm not mistaken, Director RJ, it's five of them, right? Five labors. So he has to do five different performances within the match or stipulation within the match or something like that. And he has to win these five labors in order to, I guess, get to wrestle a certain wrestler that he's trying to face. And then basically, right, and wrestle this person and that kind of accumulates everything, right? Yeah, I believe that's the five labors of Jericho. I think he has to compete in five different matches with five different stipulations, but not with the same guy. What makes it interesting is that he's facing uh, the best guys in their own environment. Right. For instance... For instance, uh, Zach DeMac, just recently, uh, he faced, if you remember watching Dark Side of the Ring, uh, the main guy in one of the episodes where he was uh, the the deathmatch guy, where he would break glass all over himself, he would wrestle on barbed wire, make each other bleed, and all that type of stuff. Do you remember that episode in Dark Side of the Ring? Okay. So that main wrestler that they were discussing about there, they finally bring him out on a, on the live streaming platform such as AEW and made Chris Jericho oh, face him in a match this past Wednesday. And it was basically okay. a, a, a death match. It was basically a no holds, no holds bar, anything goes type of match. And I'm going to tell you right now, I watched that I watched that match and it was bloody to say the least. Right. Chris Jericho does he did come out on top on that match and he ends up winning. But that boy was shards of glass on his back, face bloody, his cheek definitely was his arm was cut from the uh pizza cutter. Uh he you know, he was he was beat up pretty bad. Beat up pretty bad. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He even grabbed. He even broke one of those uh, uh, neon lights that he, they like to put on the ceilings. He broke one on. He yeah. broke them off, and he ended up try, kind of like stabbing in the forehead with it, with the same thing on the sharp side of it. So, okay. yeah, it was it was pretty intense, pretty intense, to say at least. So, uh, but Y two J did come out of it, end up winning that match. If I'm not mistaken, that was his third uh, labor. His fourth one that's coming up right now, he's going to face Juventud Guerrera. Uh, return match from there. Basically one of the old school matches in WCW and have a high-flying match where Y2J has to do a high-flying move and execute it and win in that fashion. So that's the next on the card for next Wednesday. But like Director RJ wanted to discuss about this was... Does this mean his basically hurrah, you know, marathon, you would say? And I think so. I think so. Okay. I, I think this could be it. I think uh, it, it's a good setup to what some of these performances that either he wasn't able to do in his career and finally checking off his checklist, but also re- remembering the past matches that he's ever performed and said why and redo them possibly in a, in a enjoyable fashion for the fans which against Huvatu Guerrero they were they were rivals in WCW when it came to their matches so this is going to be interesting to say the least 
at their timeline, their time frames now in this match and what they can perform um, on the stage. So I like it. Dar- Darjay, you got something to say? Yeah, actually, I do. Sorry, it took me so long. I kind of, <laughs> I uh, broke off for a minute. Gotcha, gotcha. But I'm back. I'm back. Okay. So, uh, actually, this storyline, the way it seems and everything, mm-hmm. it'd be messed up if it doesn't lead to Jericho retiring. You know, like he's uh, one the guy who's facing is pretty much like the new main bad guy, which Jericho's always been known to be. Is one of the best bad guys in the business, right? Two, uh, the storyline is pretty epic. I mean, if you're going to go out, you got to go out with an epic storyline. This is pretty much it. Right. Uh, Jericho's doing five labors of Jericho, like you said. Right. Uh, the first one was with Nick Cage. Second one's going to be against Ubitu Guerrero. Mm-hmm. They have three more coming afterwards. Right. And, you know, if uh, you got probably Daniel Bryan coming into the company, so it might be Jericho against Bryan. Somewhere along the way, you're going to have Joe go against Punk if Punk shows up. Or in Chicago. So, right. Yeah. In all these matches, Jericho has to win. So imagine how crazy it would be to see him beat Daniel Bryan in a submission match. Right. Or who knows what match him and Punk would have, you know? Well, my only, so, my only thing with the Punk thing, though, John... Uh, the guy that wrestles with uh, Sting currently made a gesture, or they did an interview, and his slant, his like his last minute of sentence was pertaining to going to Chicago was like, "If you're the best in the world, come prove it uh, in Chicago." Well, yeah, I don't think Jericho is gonna face Punk in Chicago, right? With Punk's debut in Chicago. I think Jericho and Punk will face at, like, the next showing. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Like it. Because Punk's not going to debut in a losing effort. I think Punk's going to show up and win. Yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. So. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to say the least. No lie. Uh, Director RJ, I would love to see where this leads. Y2J. Um, I mean, all in all. He's had a phenomenal career. Uh, he just came out one of his, his his book pertaining to him talking and discussing about all his matches that he's ever had. Um, and I think with this with this five labors of uh, of um, yeah five labors of Jericho, this just shows with him making that book of what he wants to do for his last hurrah and what he hasn't done in his last hurrah that he's gonna do. So it's really uh, a good. A good way to go, you know. Everyone, every old school wrestler wants that last hurrah match, but right now at the moment, Y two J is being smart and saying, "I'm gonna have the last hurrah matches before I go." Okay, I was gonna say because there isn't much that he has not done. You know what I mean? And he, if you ask me, I mean, we're not gonna go on the Hall of Fame of Chris Jericho yet, but if you ask me, he's done some pretty Hall of Fame stuff. Exactly. Definitely agree. Definitely agree. He was the uh, first undisputed champion in WWE. Yep. He was the first AEW champion. Mm-hmm. So he's he made history already at what it was. He's made history thus far. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal mic artist. Like no lie, his mic skills is bar none the best, if I'm not mistaken. Hey. I was going to say, he's one of the best hosts for, uh, not only the best, but one of the best and only hosts for uh, the, uh, the show, the um, 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dark Side yeah, of the Ring. That mic. That mic. Good. That yes. was good. I like Tim as a. Uh, if you notice, he's most of the host. Yeah, right, Correct. Yeah. There you go. There it is. Yeah, right, yeah. I like that. He he's really good at what he does. I mean, nobody's yeah. topped his debut yet, other than probably AJ Styles, and even that, the punk that Jericho got when he debuted, it was crazy. Exactly. Yeah. I and imagine. Thank you. I was gonna say the thing about Jericho's debut in uh, WWE was Jericho was barely a big name around the world. You know, he was known barely. I think in. Uh, in the U.S., fighting in uh, ECW, WCW, he fought in Mexico. So when he appeared in WWE, uh, it was crazy to hear somebody get this type of loud pop when you're not even a world champion status yet. Exactly. Right. Exactly. He's a baller. 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 <laughs> so it's it's a good testament. It's just a good testament to his performance and his his basically his grit and grind, his passion for the business. Um, there is bar none to none. I think for him, it's actually, I think my, my honest opinion, if it were come to the success of WWE in the near future, if, if it comes to it, if they would love to do it, I think Jericho would be best to stick around in AEW and be in the back, in the back doing stuff like Triple H does, uh, for what he does in NXT. But now, on the other side, you have Triple H on WWE taking over there and managing that location to having both industries, you know, being controlled by two top wrestlers that love the business that would not have it any other way and are, are the smartest people to deal with how to create fan buzz, how to get their attention when it comes to the mic, and how to how to basically revamp your character Every so often, you know, they they never had the one same character. It's always been different, but yes, the same person. So that's also been great within their careers, too. So, I mean, it is what it is. I think it's going to be awesome to see uh, when it comes to that. For sure that I, I think so. I think that it, it's going to be great to see. Um, other question, you guys. <clears throat> Move along. Michael B. Jordan taking over the Training Day franchise and expanding the universe. Let's talk about it, you guys. So, there are many, many rumors talking about Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Sorry about that, brother. Uh, basically taking over the role of Denzel Washington's character uh, in the in the movie franchise. And going forward as a prequel and pertaining what made Alonzo Harris such this grit and grind type of detective. What made him corrupt if that, and what made him go, what made him him, you know? I think I think for any actor that's going forward right now that could do a prequel like this at that age of his, his life, I would definitely pick Michael B. Jordan being the great actor. You know? It would be great to see. Director RJ, what do you think? I, I like the idea. Michael B. Jordan is a heck of an actor. I mean, if you're going to have somebody... Uh other than, like, you know, the late great Tadwick Gosquin, um, who was a heck of an actor, he would have been amazing in these types of roles, too. Correct. So you have Michael B. Jordan, who is in that category of, you know, Oscar-worthy names, um, to to take on a role that Denzel Washington pretty much 
uh, received an Oscar for. Yeah, pretty much like one of his best roles I've seen him do. It was Denzel. I mean, uh, I think Michael Jordan is probably like one of the best uh, names to take on that role. Other than that, I would say um, right now is the time to, if not just focus on Michael B. Jordan, but focus on new actors who are coming up who might have the ability to take on their role themselves. Yeah. Give somebody else a name, you know? Throw right. somebody else up. You got Denzel's son out there doing stuff, too. Very true. Probably bring Denzel into it. So my, my take on that is I'm cool with Michael B. Jordan doing it, but I also do believe that, you know, a new fresh face is uh, needed today. Got you. So we I can have more actors on the wheel. Yeah, I, I could I could agree with that for sure. Because it, it gets it gives the one it it sets up a good character for uh, for a good story. Because when they by this doing a prequel, you're basically just doing you know you're doing a detective doing detective work, going out solving murders, solving crimes, solving drug busts and stuff like that. So all in all, telling stories like that are always good and always entertaining. Some can be different pertaining. It, the same, but also different pertaining to the action or the drama coming forth with the story. Um, and it also just gives the actor uh, a limelight, like you said, on what they can do as a performer. So that uh, that's also even great. Uh, what about you, Zach the Mac? What kind of, do you think it would be Michael B. Jordan or you had somebody in mind that could possibly take over that prequel role? You know what I mean? Like, that take up that Alonzo Harris, King Kong ain't got nothing on me type of slang. You know what I mean? Right out of my mouth, bro. I was gonna say, to quote the great thing, King Kong ain't got nothing on him. I would take no better role than King Kong. No, I'm just <laughs> now, uh, if anything, King Kong and Danny Day. <laughs> 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 nah, uh, honestly, man, I, I, I'm excited. This is news to me. It's news to me. You guys brought it to me. That's why I love this show, guys. Tune in every day. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, because it's news. I don't, I didn't really, I heard speculation. And now I guess it's, it's kind of set. I, I think it is more kind of set in stone because I did some And it's supposed to be, I don't know, I mean, it's Michael B. Jordan. I, I've seen him in action roles. I mean, Training Day wasn't necessarily too much action. I give it more of a drama than action. Yeah. Um, I think that Michael B. Jordan is good at it, though. I think, you know, he, he's got uh, he's got some good credentials on his list, put it that way. And if you're going to do a Training Day, uh, I, I call it a reboot. I don't even know if it's a sequel. I'd give it a reboot, if you ask me, because you can't top paint anything. You can't. Yeah. You can't really go on a sequel on that. Right. If you want to go with, uh, you can watch the sun, I guess, but I don't know how, you know, uh, uh, I would go with a reboot, and honestly, yeah, go for it. I mean, why not? I'd like to be doing a good episode. I'm more curious to see who they were to play as his, uh, uh supporting character. True. Yeah, supporting character is very good. That actor was very good. So right, maybe right. Maybe they Oh, and they give him uh, a very good, you know, you know, supporting character. Yeah. You know, I do, I do like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a prequel. I think I, I, no lie, I believe that idea is great, Zach Demack. I like that idea when it comes to a reboot, but even then, going forward with the franchise, and especially like you said, the son, like the son was really young happened there so by this time frame right now if they were to continue with the story he would literally be at that age of him being like trying to go in the academy trying to become a detective and redoing the name of alonzo harris right 
and shedding the shedding that limelight of either one finding out what his dad really did and mess that messed things up, but also yeah. wanting to change the name of that and give the name a better name going forward. So that is even great, and him being part Latino. That even helped the Hispanic culture to kind of get him in the mix of everything in there and kind of blending that in. Like, that's pretty awesome. That is a good setup. I like that idea. I like that idea. As soon as you guys brought it up, I was like, man, it, it, it's got to be more of a... Yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta, they got to go a little more depth into it because if they're going to bring back that specific Denzel character mm-hmm. in the show, Lonzo, right. Lonzo was a pig, but he was a big bull in, in the neighborhood. So right. you got to think of somebody... You know, culture, put it that way. Correct, correct. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. Moving along from Let's Talk About It, you guys. Got another thing. I actually got a surprising thing to bring up, actually, instead. I'm going to take away that one question we discussed a minute ago, and I figured out that this is actually even better for right now because it's about to come out on August 10th. So... Netflix is releasing a docu-series based on the untold story, if you guys remember, of Malice at the Palace. Okay? The untold story, labeled untold. And it's basically, if you guys don't know what Malice at the Palace is, if you guys are NBA fans, you guys remember back then, if I'm not mistaken, 2004 or something, 2006 or something like that, a big fight and a big, big fight broke out between NBA players and fans between Indiana Pacers and Detroit Pistons. Namely, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ben Wallace and I don't remember the other guy. I think yeah, Ben Wallace and uh, Artis, or I think it was Artis at the time. Ron Artis. Ron Artest, yeah. thank you very much, mm-hmm. Director RJ. Ron Artest, before he changed his name. Um, that gentleman and Ben Wallace duked it out for a little bit. There was a foul being played uh, pertaining to Ron Artest doing an aggressive foul. Ben Wallace didn't want to take it. Shove, push a shove thing happened. They separated. All of a sudden, fans decided to break out and started throwing things. It became a big berserk of fighting between players and fans from the Pacers. And then right in front of the commissioner, they were balling, like they were having this physical fight, doing all these type of things. And they had to separate and have a big old thing where a lot of players got suspended, fined. From there, they it changed the, uh, the rule of NBA players having to dress up professionally with, with uh, suits and ties. Going forward, it really changed the dynamic of how to watch NBA and how to behave as an NBA player at that time frame. Now, literally, between it to you guys, to the story, let's talk about it, is what is it that they haven't told us fans? What is it that's untold? Is it pertaining to the beef that Ronald Tess had with Ben Wallace? Could it be something going forward with... The commissioner, commissioner, and what he said to the players. What is it that they haven't told us? What, like, it's just mind-boggling that it's gonna be awesome to see for sure on Netflix because they do a crazy docu series. But what is it that they could do, Zach the Mac? Well, listen, I don't usually go on rant on this show, but uh, I think this will be my first segment of uh, Zach Attack Rant Attack. Okay. <laughs> I think 
man, they got a lot to discuss in the NBA about this situation, man. I, I've been a, I've been an NBA fan for I don't know, maybe two to the, I don't know, I don't know, about ten million years. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I've been a huge fan. I was I was in in fandom mode when this happened. So, and I can honestly say some of the kid is a witness, though, because right. he is one of the men that put me on Ben Wallace. It'd be great. So. When Ben Miles was in the picture, I was definitely a fan. And I was way too young to understand what was going on at the time. So I, I can't speculate if I watched the game live, but I've watched enough highlights and I've watched enough, you know, mini, you know, situations about that specific thing. I mean, you can call me a freaking, I don't know, a, a, just a creeper on the situation. Because this one has been, it's been one of my biggest, like, you can even say favorite fight situations. Correct. Yet. So... I was a fan, fan, super fan about it. I was, I didn't even think we were going to discuss it really, really until it came out. But my eyeballs almost fell out of my head, man. Because I'm, <laughs> and if you guys seen the highlights and previews, it, I think it was our test himself. He said, we're going to tell you what really happened. And if you guys have seen, you know, the fans, you guys have seen the last, uh, the last dance with Michael Jordan, you, you know, you know the story. Right. But there's always that, that little piece of the puzzle that just fits everything nice and crisp. You know, the, there you I go. feel like we're going to get piece out of this puzzle. Yeah. Say that. We're going to get that quarter piece missing. You know what I mean? That, right. It's like everything's there, but the middle piece is, yeah, man. It's, we're gotcha. going to get that. And it's needed. Well over needed. I didn't even think it was a thing. I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. I'm curious, uh, did it say how many episodes? Uh, yeah, they did actually. I think it's going to end up being, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I looked it on there. It's only going to be about five or five episodes okay. for sure, uh, or eight episodes. Yeah. And I think three episodes will release on the same day. And then I think believe it's eight episodes. Three will release on the same day. And then after that, they'll release an episode after every week. Oh, man. Oh, I look like a chill. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm waiting for those three. Yeah, it looks yeah, intense. It's, it's for sure. It's intense. Yeah, for some live tweets on that, guys. All right, stay tuned on that one, guys. Yeah. Right. So, so this is what happened. It was the NEI Pacers was at the defending champions uh, stadium, and and this was right after the Pistons had won their championship, and on Friday, November nineteenth, two thousand and four, at in Michigan, Auburn's Hills. Uh, this is where basically the brawl went down and became the infamous brawl of all history and changed the platform of NBA after that. You know, um, Director IJ, anything to chime in on there? So, this is kind of like they're building it off of what they got from uh, Jordan's. Uh the last dance, right? They're just making another documentary, five episode type of thing. Right, exactly. So they're basically going to be just discussing about this uh, this pertaining issue of what had happened. I'm sure they're going to discuss, you know, the the Pistons winning their championship and how they got famous and Indiana Indiana Pacers, how they were kind of on the creep up of players that they collected and how they were trying to contend uh, for a championship, which they were at that point. They were really. Uh, they had some good pieces that were trying to uh, mix in and shoot for a championship run, and all of a sudden, just after that, they you know they end up getting into this big fight. Like after the game, I'll say this here: F- NBA suspended nine players of total of 146 games 
leading to all these players losing about eight million dollars in salary. Five. No, I'm telling you guys right now, it is not to interrupt you, but it Good. is one of the greatest talked about biggest NBA fights of the history. So yes, crazy. And there, then, was, there was hey, there was players that got fined, and there was uh, there was fans that, at the stadium that got fined. They got banned. They right. got arrested. It was just one of the biggest on and off court situations. It's right. On and off court, it does shut off court. Yeah, let me read a little bit more. So five players were charged with assault and eventually sentenced to a year of probation and community service. Five fans, like you said, also faced assault charges and were banned from attending Pistons home games for life. Ooh, for life. Yes. Thus, this fight also led NBA to increase security between players and fans and limit the sale of alcohol at games. So, you see what I mean? Talk about a, a changing incident to the, pers- the 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 whole platform of NBA in general. Changing history. So, you guys, it's going to be discussed per, like to the T and deep into what had happened and also what happened afterwards and the outcome. And thus far... You know, letting us know what the beef was. Really, to be honest, and is, is there still beef? Is there still an issue between Ben Wallace and Ron Artest? Is there still issue with Ron Artest and anybody else in the league? Because we're, all in all, Ron Artest, regardless, has always been a dirty player. With the elbow to James Harden, with, you know, the scratching and pulling of other, you know, centers and power forwards when they go in, in, in for the basket. So, Ron Artest himself is really going to be shined in this docuseries, I think, of either, in some people's eyes, as a negative limelight, or in some people's eyes, a crazy defensive player, the equivalent to Dennis Rodman. So, I don't know. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Could be. Okay. He could take Dennis Rodman role, and he took it. He took that role and kind of flipped it into a way beyond uh, craziness. So I don't know. I don't know. We don't know yet. Could be interesting to see. So yeah, exactly. See you from there. All right, guys. Well, that's all the questions I got for us today. Uh, otherwise, we're gonna revamp some good questions for next week and discuss some good topics again as they come up, you guys. So please tune in as always. Uh, we got some special projects heading up. One big special project that I'm very happy and excited for. I don't want to. I don't want to morph into some type of uh, situation here, but it's gonna be awesome. Uh, we're just gonna be really cool about it and kind of play by ear, get the exact you know situation planned out perfectly, and show you guys what we could do. Uh, Director RJ, any final thoughts? Yeah, this has been a very interesting show today. A lot of crazy topics we talked about, man. There's actually one of the good ones I liked. All right, Zach Mike, you, uh, what about you, Zach Mike? Uh, I want to personally say, man, uh, we're doing great things to you guys on Meet the Friend on, man. We're giving you guys juicy information. We're giving you guys updated facts. And I say facts with a Z. We're giving <laughs> you guys updated things, man, with a Z. Uh, we're giving you positive feedback, man. You guys got to follow us, man. You guys got to listen in. We got a lot of tunage coming in, man. We got a lot of feedback. We got a lot of junk. We got a lot of crap. 
thank you guys for listening so much, man. Please follow us on everything. Uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the above. Like I say, follow us in public. You guys know the vibe. <laughs> guys, love you. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. As always, be Tony Kid. Y'all take it easy. Be safe. And make sure you check us out on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, rejectrundown.com, YouTube. Check us out on there. Look us up on Google for sure. Google us on Reject Rundown, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. We are up and running on there. So t- stay tuned with us. And any comments, uh, just let us know. We're on all the platforms. You'll get us personally chit-chat with you or any comments and stuff like that. So we'll go from there, you guys. You guys take it easy. Uh, if there's any questions you guys may have want us to talk about during our show, put them down there. Let us know. Talk with the team, and we'll do what we got to do. Otherwise, you guys be safe. Take it easy. And uh, live free. <laughs>